One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. True Crime Podcast. I'm Sadiac. And I'm Kourtneyak. And we are sisters, and we're going to talk to you about some murder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, do you want to just jump into it, Kourtney? Yeah, yes. Look, tonight we're talking about an Ubermensch. Everybody what? loves an Ubermensch. Who doesn't love an Ubermensch? And if you don't know what an Ubermensch is, and you're like, I don't love an Ubermensch, let me tell you all about an Ubermensch. <laughs> <laughs> this is the case, I call this case, Truth is Stranger Than Fiction, the case of Christian Bala. Mm. So on a cold December morning in the countryside of eastern Poland, three friends came upon a grizzly scene while fishing together, because every grizzly scene comes from fishing, mm-hmm. <laughs> or hiking, or dog walking. Or hunting. Or hunting. To stay indoors. <laughs> <laughs> They found the half-naked and bloated body of a man floating near where they'd been fishing. The area was extremely remote, rarely visited, and so it was sort of a miracle that they'd stumbled across the body. The man had been bound by ropes around his neck and at his hands and feet, and police determined that a length of rope had been cut that had, quote, once connected his hands to his neck, Mm. bringing the man into a backward cradle an excruciating position where the slightest wiggle would have caused the noose to tighten further. There was no doubt that the man had been murdered. Yeah. The body was male and showed signs of brutality and torture leading up to his death. And while they initially thought he died from ligature strangulation, as any move he made would have slowly suffocated him to death, The autopsy revealed fluid in his lungs, indicating he'd still been alive when he was thrown into the frozen water. Where are we? Poland. Poland. Where death is long, excruciating, brutal, and inhumane, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Holy shit. 
They also found that his stomach and intestines were mostly empty, and so determined that he hadn't had anything to eat for at least three days leading up to his death. Holy cow. Yeah. Police searched missing persons reports and were able to identify the deceased man as 35-year-old Dariusz Janiszewski, who worked as an advertising director and had been missing for just under a month. Based on the brutality of the murder, police thought Yanishevsky might have been the victim of a gang-style execution. Psychologists determined that the killing was extremely intentional, very personal, and likely whoever carried it out saw it as their, quote, mission. Police interviewed all of Yanishevsky's family, friends, and business associates, but couldn't find even a shred of motive for his murder. He was young, well-liked, very successful, not tied to any criminal activity in any way, and was in a happy marriage. The media began referring to his death as the perfect crime, which disturbed and embarrassed police investigators. Desperate for any information that could send them in the right direction, police reached out to the popular crime show 997, who aired the case, hoping to drum up new leads, but nothing came of it. Which is very surprising. Yeah. Like a national television show. Right. Well, and you know that whoever killed him didn't act alone is my guess right now. Well. Ooh. <laughs> I know. So first, okay. Well, no, continue. No, you can ask. You can Oh, well, I'm just going to say that I, if it is one person who did this, that's so much creepier for some reason than like a gang or a group or two people or, you know. Right. Yes. Yes. That's totally. so brutal. So brutal. The total lack of leads and complete silence following the segment on 997 caused the case to go completely cold for a year and a half. In 2003, police were conducting a routine review of unsolved murders when Detective Roblevsky became almost obsessed with solving Yanishevsky's murder. He painstakingly went back over every detail, again finding no connection to organized crime or any real motive to have tortured and killed the young man. Finally, one detail jumped out to him when he noticed that Yanishevsky's mobile phone had never been recovered after the discovery of his body, despite the fact that he'd had it on him when he disappeared. Knowing there's a good chance that the phone ended up at the bottom of the river or otherwise destroyed by the killer, he chased down the lead and was incredibly pleased to learn that Yanishevsky's wife had kept the receipt for the phone, which included the device's IMEI number which could be used to trace the phone if it was still in service. Wow. I love people that keep receipts. For people who keep receipts blow my mind. Yeah. I work for myself and I own a couple of companies and <laughs> <laughs> all I can do to keep receipts, even though I'm legally required to do so. <laughs> also detectives that can notice little details like that. That's, yeah, that's amazing. So smart. Yeah. Roblevsky was surprised even more to find out that the phone had been sold several times and was still in use. Hmm. They were able to trace the phone back through several owners to its original sale on an online auction site just three days after Yanishevsky went missing. What? Yes. Yeah. Destroy the, the phone. <laughs> Dummy. No, man, you can get like 12, 50 bucks. 12 bucks off that Jeez. thing. Yeah, bear in mind this is 2000, so yeah. probably... But still. I don't know, were phones like $900 or were they like $5 in 2000? I can't really remember. Um, free with um, free with free. purchase or whatever, free with a service contract. Yeah. I don't know yeah. how it works in Poland. Do we have I any Polish I think listeners? I got my first 
cell phone in like 20, 2004 or something. So yeah, it was 2006. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm a Luddite and it was pink yep. flip phone, shiny yep. free with, for free with contract. Yeah. Me too. Men wasn't pink, but I miss it. Yeah. Me too. The person who sold the phone went by the username Chris B7, and they were able to track the account to a man named Christian Bala. Christian Bala was a Polish intellectual and businessman in his 30s who didn't seem a likely candidate for murder at first glance. Bala lived abroad, so would not be available for immediate questioning, so Roblewski started by investigating Bala online and quickly found Bala's blog, which contained excerpts from a novel he'd recently published titled Amok, like run amok, amok. Roblewski purchased a copy of the novel, which had an image of a goat on the cover, which is the ancient symbol for the devil, and was astonished by Bala's writing, which was, quote, not only decadent, but vehemently anti-church. Quote, the main character who narrates the story is a bored Polish intellectual who, when not musing about philosophy, is drinking and having sex with women. One detective described it as, quote, half hardcore pornography and half sadistic violence. Hmm. The main character is a man named Chris who does whatever he wants and, quote, the laws both natural and legal don't apply to him. So, easy, little light read, little easy yeah. read. Sounds, sounds like a good bedtime story. Yeah. Roblewski made note of the fact that the narrator had murdered a female lover for no reason. So, the character Chris. Right. And covered up the crime so well that he was never caught. After the murder, the main character Chris sold the knife he used to commit the murder on an internet auction site. (laughs) I'm rolling my eyes out of my head right now. (laughs) Your eyes are going to end up permanently backwards by the end of the story because this guy Uh, is the most eye-rollingest eye-roller. He's... (laughs) So something far, else. It, it reminds me of that, um, the guy that lured men into his, like, air quotes studio, the Dexter Killer or whatever. Oh, yeah, that guy. Well, yeah, he had, like, a screenplay or something that he yes. wrote, right? Yes, Well, yeah, he that's... was, yeah, he was trying to film, like, the perfect horror movie or whatever. What was it? Was that his That movie? was his cover. Yeah, that's what he said. Right. And I think that there was something similar that's, you know, like, where he wrote it all down somewhere. Right. Yes, that's how they figured it out at the end. Yeah. It was all written down. Yeah. They, they seem, so far, like, very similar types mm-hmm. of colors. Maybe narcissists? Oh, maybe. Mm-hmm. little taste of one. <laughs> the thing that stood out the most as he read Bala's words was the method of killing in the book. Quote, I tightened the noose around her neck. He also realized the killer's name was Chris, which is the English version of Christian, and also the name used to sell Yanishevsky's phone on the auction site. Ugh, I mean, come on, man. I know. Roblewski was fully aware that this could all just be a morbid coincidence, but his instinct drove him forward and Christian Bala became the main suspect. The main issue with their new suspect was that he'd left Poland in 2001, and so they had no way to apprehend or question him. While police hunted for substantial evidence to tie Bala to the crime, Roblewski decided not to question his close friends and family so there wouldn't be a chance that they'd tip him off on the investigation. Instead, Roblewski spent weeks studying every minute detail of Bala's novel, 
searching for more clues and any sign of a motive for the killing. Quote, Roblevsky kept an unofficial scorecard. Both Bala and his literary creation were consumed by philosophy, had been abandoned by their wives, had a company go bankrupt, traveled around the world, and drank too much. This is, see, if I were a detective, this is what I would picture my life to be, just like pouring over the details of the manuscript. Of I know course. it's absolutely nothing like that, but... Right. Yeah. Pretty digging romantic. for clues. Mm-hmm. Right? In Poland. It has to be freezing fucking cold, too, right. if I'm a detective. I have to constantly be drinking coffee, which I... Every day I wake up and I'm like, I'm just going to drink coffee all day because I love coffee so much. It sounds romantic. And then even if I try to have a cup and a half of coffee, I'm just totally feeling like I'm going to have a heart attack. Yep. Yep. Same with day drinking. Oh, it'll be so fun. We'll just go to an orchard and have a hot apple cider. And then I'm just like, (laughs) (laughs) nighty night. So much for that romantic vision. The only additional clue he found was on the last page of the novel where it was revealed that his motive for killing was simply blind jealousy. Unfortunately, it would be months before police would have any opportunity to interact with their strange main suspect. So in 2005, Bala's passport was flagged entering Poland and he was immediately arrested and taken in for questioning. Detectives started with a direct line of questioning, asking him if he'd had any help killing Januszewski, and they were stunned when he replied that he hadn't had any help and that he'd killed the man on his own. What? Yeah, man. Just like that. Just like that. Like, just waiting for somebody to ask him. Just come back to Poland after a little stint around the globe and done and done. Wow. All right. They were thrilled that he'd confessed so quickly, but just as they'd started to celebrate internally... Bala started acting very strangely. He started looking around the room, moving between various poses, picking up the telephone in the room, and asking for something to drink as he claimed he felt terrible. He asked for a doctor, and police were forced to suspend the interview that had been going so well up to that point. Can you imagine? No. (laughs) You're just cruising along. Confession on this five-year-old cold case, and then... Wooly woo, I'm crazy. Woo, I feel terrible. I'm gonna do weird things. God. Emergency medical personnel arrived and found Bala to be perfectly well, and police were able to resume questioning. As soon as they restarted the interview, however, Bala immediately retracted his confession and refused to sign anything or speak with detectives any further. Uh. They began to suspect that he was playing with them and were devastated to not have the clear confession they believed they were receiving just moments before. Wow, he's like a so psychopath. He's like well, sociopath. He's so psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe even an Ubermensch? Oh right, I forgot. That's <laughs> yes. God, so psychopath is a better term for him. Baffled him. Uh, I don't, that's the technical term, Corey. Yeah, so sociopath. You're like, you, <laughs> that guy's a psychopath. No, that guy's so, so psychopath. So. <laughs> Baffled and frustrated by Bala's attempts to assert control over the investigation, detectives called in one of the top forensic psychologists in the country to assess Bala and help give them insight into his behavior and potential motive. The expert said Bala had a very specific type of sociopathic narcissism, otherwise known as so psychopath. (laughs) 
and that he perceived himself to be better, smarter, stronger, and superior to all other human beings. Hmm. They determined that Bala possessed a deep driving ego that made him believe that no matter what, he was being driven toward greatness, and it was just a matter of time before the world recognized his superiority and massive intellectual greatness. Gross. In other words, gross, <laughs> yes. In other words, he believed himself to be an ubermensch. For those of you who don't know, an ubermensch is, quote, the ideal superior man of the future who could rise above conventional Christian morality to create and impose his own values. And it's a concept in the philosophy of Frederick Nietzsche. Mm-hmm. Bala was described as a rabid intellectual from a very young age. He was raised by loving parents who were a construction worker and taxi driver and were proud of their son's great intellectual ability. He read extensively about Marxism, which dominated Polish literature at the time, but was more drawn to radical thinkers like Ludwig Wittgenstein, just taking a guess there, quote, who maintained that language, like a game of chess, is essentially a social activity. He also loved everyone's favorite fun-time philosopher, Friedrich Nietzsche, who said, quote, there are no facts, only interpretations, and that, quote, truths are illusions, which we have forgotten are illusions. And I would like to thank Frederick fucking Nietzsche for the current state of affairs we find ourselves in, where mm. there are no facts, only interpretations, and right. truths are illusions, which we have forgotten are illusions, mm-hmm. but are actually fucking truths to get your head out of your ass and do your right. damn research, everybody. Yeah. Stop being uber menches. Seriously. That's, I mean, I hate to, I don't want to get into uh, politics too much, but this is just like 100% Trump. (laughs) Well, that's exactly why I chose the story. Yes, because it really rang true. I stumbled upon it accidentally. I was like, wow, this sounds really familiar. This sounds like maybe we are suddenly a full country full of Christian balas who are just like, "Eh, I just, I do what I want. I do what I'm superior. No, no, bro. No. So I'll spare you most of the details of Bala's intellectual journey because it's super annoying. But, (laughs) and there's an article in the New Yorker written by David Gran that goes, he did a beautiful job of talking about his sort of intellectual journey. And it was really interesting to read, but I'm not going to give him the fucking satisfaction of talking about him that much. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, But from his article, he said, quote, Bala interpreted these thinkers idiosyncratically, pulling threads here and there and often twisting and turning and distorting them until he had braided them into his own radical philosophy. To amuse himself, he began constructing myths about himself, an adventure in Paris, a romance with a schoolmate, and tried to convince friends that they were all true. Quote, he would tell these tall stories about himself. Lothar Rosinski, who is a former good friend and classmate, says, quote, if he told one person and that person then told someone else who told someone else, it became true. It existed in the language, Rosinski adds. Bala even had a term for it. He called it mythocreativity. Jerk off motion, jerk off motion. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> Before long, friends had trouble distinguishing his real character from the one he had invented. In an email to a friend, Bala said, quote, if I ever write an autobiogra- autobiography, also known as autobiography, <laughs> it will be full of myths. Good. Good for you. Ugh. That's also just called a, st- a story. <laughs> yeah, right. 
He studied philosophers who pushed all the boundaries of decency and morality to, quote, break free of what he deemed to be the hypocritical and oppressive, quote, truths of Western society, including taboos on sex and drugs. Like most narcissists, some of his friends thought he was juvenile and ridiculous, and others were mesmerized by his philosophies and behavior. He was very popular, but also extremely confrontational, so had as many enemies as friends. He was very good at charming women, and had a bit of a legendary status as a playboy. Gross. He also reminds me of my favorite cult leader, Keith, Keith Maneri. Maneri. Yep. <laughs> just saying right? that too, yes. Yes, because he says yes. all the same sorts of things, like, if it, it's only rape if you perceive it to be in yes. crazy bullshit like that, right? Yes, yes. That's also why I chose this one, because I'm yes. just, my whole world is just teeming with narcissistic cult leaders everywhere I right. look. In 1995, while he was finishing up his studies, Bala married his high school sweetheart, Stasia, and they had one son. He got the highest marks possible in his university courses and wanted to enroll in a PhD program, but struggled to support his family and so started a cleaning business instead. Bala was a terrible businessman and an equally lousy husband, having cheated on Stasia frequently as well as expressing narcissistic rage, and so by 2000, he'd filed for bankruptcy and his marriage was over. Friends reported that Bala was allowed to do anything he liked, but Stasia was forced to stay home and raise their son, or he'd fly into a jealous fury. Gross. Yeah. I mean, really, he just, like, ticks all the boxes for all of... Like, I can just think of so many... Yes. ...dickheads just like him. <laughs> yes. He's, he's just a really trumped-up version yeah. of uh, so Yeah, many like people. Josh Powell, like, on and on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah narcissists. After his divorce, he traveled through Asia and the U.S. teaching English and scuba diving and working on his debut novel, Amok. I know. I'm just going to go teach scuba diving. Of course you are, you terrible father. So after Bala withdrew his confession, police had to build a proper case, having only the fictional story and loose ties to the internet auction site to go on. They looked into his past and his failed business and marriage and learned that he'd remained preoccupied with his ex-wife to the point of obsession. He was reported to have followed her to a bar and threatened to kill she and, quote, all her men. So assuming anyone she dated. Right. When word of the arrest got out in the media, Bala's book, Amok, sold out nationwide and the country was captivated by the idea that he'd turned his life and crime into a novel. Everyone was shocked to learn that the novel wouldn't be allowed to be entered into evidence, and the case would have to be based on hard evidence alone. They specifically chose to omit the novel as Bala was planning to use the defense that everything the case was based on was a work of fiction, and he intended to humiliate the court by insisting they'd targeted him because of a story and nothing more. Which makes me wonder if he was actually brilliant enough to... A, write the novel to use that as a defense, mm -hmm. and B, write the novel to be famous. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, did he actually commit this perfect crime in his efforts to be an ubermensch? Like, did he, <laughs> you know what I mean? Did yeah. he set that all up that way? Or was it just a sort of perfect storm of narcissism? Right. Like, how how many steps ahead in his chess match was he or Exactly, ever? exactly. Yeah. Despite the fact that he'd studied the book for months, 
Detective Robleski came to terms with the fact that it had been nothing more than a red herring and focused again on finding actual evidence to tie Bala to the murder. Bala also made claims that he'd been kidnapped and beaten by the police when they'd initially apprehended him and enlisted one of his girlfriends to start a defense committee on his behalf to help spread the word of the great injustices being committed against him. So he said that they, he got off the plane, they kidnapped him, like beat the shit out of him, brought him to the woods, dug a hole, threatened him, etc., etc., which didn't happen. No. And then he was claiming all these things, filed cases against the detectives, got his girlfriend to, I don't know what a defense committee is, but I essentially think it's like a, you know, just an online campaign on his behalf. And he had all these followers and all these people who were like writing letters and like, you can't imprison someone because he wrote a story and on and on. Yeah, it got really out of control. Detectives learned that on the day of his disappearance, Januszewski was seen taking a call on his cell phone in his office, and they were able to determine that the call had been made from a payphone just up the road. As it turned out, the payphone he'd called from required the user to insert a phone card to make a call, and all of the cards were registered to the caller, and all of the phone calls were recorded in a log. What? Yeah, so, God. yes. So to use the phones these... are breaking the case of music <laughs> wide open. <laughs> yep. So it's these phone booths, whatever they're called, phone booths required like a prepaid phone card huh. to use them. You inserted it in the phone, and it was registered to you. Crazy. And they law they recorded every single time the card was used and who it belonged to. Huh. Duh, dude. Duh. God. (laughs) Police were able to retrieve the log of everyone who'd made a call from the payphone that day. Among the callers and calls from that day, they were able to determine that Christian Bala had made several calls to his friends, family, and, unsurprisingly, he'd also made the call to Januszewski that day. Police dug a little deeper and were also able to confirm that Bala's ex-wife Stasia had carried out a brief affair with Januszewski. Mm. 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 Was there a show on this? I don't, not that I have seen. We can take this out. It's just so familiar. Yeah, I, this is one I was very surprised because it's such an interesting story that nobody had done it, but I think it's because of all the Polish names. And I would like to formally apologize to any Polish listeners mm-hmm. for <laughs> absolutely fucking butchering your names. I have phonetic spellings all throughout my yeah. <laughs> my pages. Oh, I'm proud of you for trying. Thank you so much. But yeah, I hadn't, there was a, I found a UK program on it, but other than that, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's just familiar. I don't know why it's familiar, but. Because he sucks and he reminds yeah. you so many people who sucks so much. Yeah. This is a good case of, another good case of where my empathy just completely runs out. Like, this guy just, just purely sucks. He's just mm-hmm. ego. I think that yeah. it's, that's the thing that really gets me is when it's just your ego. It's not trauma. It's not jealousy or so. You know, like, if you're just a shitty, shitty, shitty guy. Yep. This guy is the shittiest. Then, one of Stasia's friends came forward and admitted that she'd told Bala about the affair and that he'd grilled her to give him every detail that she had about their relationship as well as who Januszewski was, where he worked, where he lived, etc. Detectives knew they still lacked physical evidence to tie it all together. 
They sift through all of the belongings Bala had left behind his parents' house when he'd left the country and struck gold when they found a notebook among the items. In the notebook, they found a detailed list of information about Yanishevsky's company, a pen with his company's logo on it, and even one of his personal business cards. (laughs) (laughs) This is my Yanishevsky file. (laughs) Right. Keep that pen. It's smooth. Yeah. Bala had maintained the entire time that he'd never heard of or met Yanishevsky, which was looking less and less likely based on the mounting evidence against him and the fact that he had shit all over his house with Yanishevsky's name on it and his company's name on it. Right. (laughs) Also, if you'll remember that the Polish crime show 997 did an episode about the murder and detectives went back and combed through all the activity on the series website. They found multiple comments on the website from foreign countries, specifically Asia and the U.S. And you'll be surprised to learn that people in Asia and the U.S. aren't watching a lot of Polish crime shows. (laughs) I mean, I do tune into 997, you know, (laughs) as it comes up. (laughs) As you all can tell, I'm fluent in Polish. Right. It's basically my first language. I'm so, I understand it. I speak Uh it fluently. Uh, so they, the dates of the comments, of course, lined up with when Bala lived in each of the countries where the comments were made. To top it all off, one of Bala's friends came forward to give very damning testimony. He claimed that at a New Year's Eve party in 2000, Bala had shouted to him that he'd already killed one of Stasia's lovers and that he'd committed the murder with a rope. <laughs> Can you imagine? Just like parties, they're playing yeah. like the Black Eyed Peas. Like, right, bro, I totally killed one of her lovers with a rope. <laughs> Five, four, three. <laughs> God. God. Detective Robleski's hunch had turned out to be correct. Bala was simply jealous of his ex-wife's lover, so he kidnapped, tortured, and murdered the poor man to get revenge. In 2007, Christian Bala was convicted of murder and sentenced to 25 years in prison. So in the end, the ego of an exceptionally smart man allowed him to make several very fucking stupid mistakes, Mm -hmm. and he's now paying the consequences. Good. And I wrote, Ubermensch? More like Boobermensch. (laughs) (laughs) And that is the story of... The biggest baby man of all time, Christian Bala. Oh, he can go to hell. That guy. Can you believe that shit? Yuck. No. I mean, to be that smart, and I mean, by all accounts, he was brilliantly smart. He was very, very, very smart. Had an insane intellect. (laughs) Not smart enough to not sell the phone on the auction site, not use a payphone with a pre-registered pay card, not leave a... A detailed list of Yanishevsky's companies goings on. No, <laughs> I, mean, I don't understand it. I guess I don't know. He's just so full of himself that I think so it's full of himself. Not a big deal. Like uh, nobody will ever suspect me. Yes, and the psychologist, and even coming back to Poland, like he left in two thousand one. The media called it the perfect crime. He, right. they wouldn't have intercepted him. They wouldn't have ever been able to get him if he had just stayed away. The right. case would have just gone cold. But instead he came home and the psychologist was like, yeah, he really believes that everything he does is a movement toward greatness. So even if it's getting caught for committing this perfect crime, 
it's telling the world how fucking smart he is and he's okay with that gross can you imagine i just can't fucking imagine no no well good work court thanks Uh, that was a good one thanks goodbye (laughs) (laughs) makes me want to dig more into that all of that like ubermensch you don't you really don't i know it's It's interesting to read the New York article, but my eyes started glazing over, not because it was poorly written, but just because I, because they were behind in the back of my head, like yours were previously when you rolled them so hard. Yes. I, I mean, and I like to think about morality and things that are social constructs and are they, you know, is this something that we should abide by or is it something that's been put in place to control us? I think about that constantly. Right. It's come up a lot lately with the way we're policed and our governing and gender and, you know, on and on and on. Like there's so many things you can think about and question and say, wait, why, why, you know, Mm -hmm. religion, all all those things and be like, is this really true? Or (laughs) did somebody just invent this a long time ago to keep me in under their control? So in a sense, I agree and I'm really interested in it. And then on the other hand, I'm like, I I think for me, the line is when it becomes about the one person. So right. the idea of ubermensch means superhuman. Like one dude is so fucking smart and so superior and da, 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 and I'm like, gross. Mm-hmm. But when I think about it as sort of a freedom of society and like a bettering and a enlightening of people, that that's really interesting. I can think about that forever and ever and kind of pick it apart and get lost in the nuance but all that Nietzsche blah blah just I think what interests me about it like picking it apart so you can recognize it quickly and reject it yes especially sitting here now (laughs) with the president that we have yes you know like what would have happened if as a society we were able to recognize him decades ago as who he is and be like oh no you are a garbage human yeah, you're a con man. Crazy con man narcissist. Just to the... So you can stay in Manhattan. <laughs> you know? <laughs> We're going to put all the narcissists in Manhattan. Well, that's just where he was. I'm not Who gonna... was it? Who was it they wanted to put all the gays on an island? Was it Mitt Romney? Oh, it was earlier no, like that. Santorum uh, or... No, he was Mormon. Oh, dang it was early Obama time. Anyway, yeah. somebody wanted to put the gays on an island. And I was like, yeah, gay island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get me on it. It's <laughs> yeah, funny. I was thinking about that the other day for some reason. I don't know. I'm probably just thinking about politics and remembering us being like, please, can I go to gay island? <laughs> yes, I would please. love to go to gay island. Gay island it will just gentrify gay island. And then mm-hmm. everybody's going to move to gay island after mm-hmm. the gays get caught. And then it's just going right. to flip the shit. And homeboy's going to be pissed because all the suburban housewives are going to move to Gay Island because the gays made it so pretty. Yeah. Because that's how it works every single time. Yep. I'm ready. It's a fatal flaw in your plan, Republican Tea Party senator or whoever the fuck you were. (laughs) (laughs) Gay Island is just going to become the United States because gays get there first every single time. Anyway. Yeah. So narcissists in Manhattan. (laughs) And look, that's a joke. Manhattan is my second home. Love New York with all my heart. So sorry. What was was that? (laughs) 
Was that like a Christian hymn? Like a Oh, what was that? Um, oh no! Just, oh no! <laughs> oh, it's because you sent me the TikTok video of the frogs. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess the way that TikTok runs on your browser or whatever, it just like keeps playing videos. And I, oh I went, God. I went to go figure out who the politician was, <laughs> and the song was playing in the background. It sounded like contemporary Christian. <laughs> I hope it was. I hope it was. Um. Anyway, yes, I don't think that Manhattan is for narcissists for one second. I mean, there are no. narcissists on man on the island of Manhattan. They are everywhere. But, uh, yeah, I think yeah. about it all the time. I think about it. Feels very dangerous because it feels like thought crimesy to identify people with personality disorders. But I do feel more and more strongly that it's just unfortunate that we can't have two judicial systems Mm -hmm. one for people who have experienced trauma and neglect and abuse and commit crimes out of desperation and then just one for the bad people just one for the ego giants and fucking narcissists and sociopaths because they're completely different things right yes completely different completely different and I do think you can become a sociopath or a psychopath because of trauma. And that's where the gray area gets. That's where my, my theories fall apart pretty fast. Because then what? But uh, I don't know. That's don't why know I haven't submitted my plan to Congress. It's the only reason. That's why you're not the head of the Because it's DOJ. written. Yes, it's written. It's cited. It's you're ready. been vetted by teams of lawyers. Panels. <laughs> It's, uh, there's lots of Roman numerals in it and it's bound beautifully, professionally. I just, I haven't figured that part out about how yeah. when trauma causes psychopaths, then what? And that's just, I just hand wrote that at the very end with a big question mark. That's so, right. And the like shrugging shoulders emoji. <laughs> placeholder. It says right. placeholder on it. I don't know. Uh, so it was Louis Gohmert. What? Who's, no, it, no. I've never even heard of Louis Gohmert. Texas Representative Louis Gohmert. He said, strand, gaze on an island and see what happens. <laughs> they will make I'll it I'll tell you what happens. Beautiful house plans. Beautiful decorations, yeah. <laughs> tasteful, tasteful interiors. That's, That's what'll right. happen. Yep. Anything wow. else? Um, no, I think we have some shouties. Shouty outies. Uh, let's do a quick promo. Oh, Should yeah. I... That's a shouty outie of sorts. So we're going to play a promo for Bloody Murder, yeah. which is an Australian podcast hosted by Tara and Barney. Love it. Love it. Isn't that adorable? about it. I yep. do too. Yep. Yep. So take a quick listen. Do it. Is listening to true crime podcasts all the time getting you down, but you just can't stop? Try listening to Bloody Murder. We're an Australian comedy true crime podcast focusing on some of the lesser-known murder cases from Australia and around the globe. We use black comedy as a means to tell horrifying true crime stories. But our humour is respectful and never at the expense of victims or their loved ones. Bloody Murder has been nominated for four Australian podcast awards. We've been going for over three years now. So we have loads of episodes for you to binge. You can listen to Bloody Murder on Spotify and any of your favorite podcatchers. All right, what else do we got? What else? Should we talk about uh, Seduced? <gasps> I watched it all. <sighs> yeah, we should give Seduced a quick shouty outie because it's about an Ubermensch as well. Yeah. And Courtney 
I think mentioned maybe last episode to watch it, right? I think I did, yeah. And I had Val ain't got shit on seduced, right? And so I turned it on, and a number one, hello, what? That's yeah. how I felt. Yeah, <laughs> because you think you know about it, and then you don't really know about it. Just how mm-hmm. awful that guy is. Yeah, you know the framework of the experience that these people had. You know that it was not cool. You know, it was structured as a executive success program. You know that there was branding and sexy stuff on some level, but yeah, it's they don't they don't cover anything, anything. Right. Yeah, and I watching it because it's. I I would guess that it's like directed, produced. I didn't look into it, but by the mom and daughter yes, that it I features. Would, I would assume so too. And so I was thinking a lot about what happens when a story is told by not just a victim, but also a perpetrator. Like she mm. perpetrated a lot of the crimes. And right. like I was happy to get more of the insight for mm-hmm. sure, because it's way worse than I realized. So ex- exponentially worse. It's and the fact that he was horrifying. like militarizing these women basically yes. like getting them ready to do whatever he wanted correct whenever he wanted like where was that headed was he going to mass suicide like right. what was right so all, i thought that all of that was really interesting and then also like part of it felt sort of i don't know what the word is like not forced necessarily but like it was very scripted they were definitely yeah. reading from a script at times. Right. Yeah. All their interstitial stuff would be like, and then I was like, I don't know what. Yeah. It, yeah. It was definitely scripted. And so like, is that what it is that what felt awkward was the scripting or, you know, I just, I felt like some of that fell flat yeah. with India and, you know, who clearly she was like 20 when she started yes. with this awful organization and was clearly a victim. Yep. But I just, I kind of thought about that, like, you know, what, what do we do when the person telling the story is a victim and part of it too? Totally. Well, I think there's got to be some kind of compartmentalization going on too, right? Where Mm -hmm. you're so deeply traumatized and then traumatized into traumatizing other people, which is like such a compounding of trauma Mm -hmm. that... I find that a lot, like when watching things about people who were part of like the LDS church, like the fundamentalist Mm -hmm. LDS and things like that. And when they talk, you're like, how are you just talking about that so calmly? You know, know, children of God and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's just really shocking. But I think that that's probably a, a side effect of the trauma to a certain degree. And in her case where she didn't really have like a young adulthood, like you mentioned, she was so young when she went in. And then is she just unable to, you know, really know how to react to things because she didn't ever get to learn, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It was all normal, so normal to her. Right. Yeah, Yeah, she's figuring out how she feels about things because she didn't, she literally was not allowed to feel her own feelings for seven years or however long. So so crazy. And what about the girl that was in the Children of God? cult as a child (laughs) and then just jumps right into nexium that poor thing man she's like this seems great this Uh, seems better you think that if you get out of the out of the children of god i know you just don't ever get to be in a group setting after that like i know (laughs) no churches no no wellness groups no (laughs) unless it just felt comfy you know it's like yeah i'm sure that was part of it yes also Here's the thing that I have just been screaming from the rooftops. What's the co-founder's name? 
Oh, Salzman. Salzman. Not her not daughter's Laura, Lauren. Lauren, yeah, who got like 475,000 years. And she Sarah? got like... No. Yeah, some, no. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. They barely... None of the documentaries really talk about her at all. And I... That is just the craziest thing to me. How does she not get more airtime? How do we not know more about her? Who is right. she? Well, you know? and how did she... I w- I'm curious about her relationship with her daughter, too. So she right. brings her daughter into this. Right. And then her daughter does more time and... Right. Like, commits more crimes. And how do you just, like, here you are, daughter. Here's this totally fucked up bullshit. Right. That made Enjoy. me infinitely wealthy and crazy yeah. rich and powerful. Yeah, I feel like they just glossed right on over her in both yeah, cases. I felt, I felt the same. And maybe she just did a better job of protecting herself and her privacy, so it's, I don't know. Or maybe and she had to have some kind of plea deal to get less time than her daughter as a co-founder. I don't right. know. It was was all... there any indication that she was part of DOS? Maybe that's what kept her separate. Right. Because she just did the she ESP did the or other whatever. Stuff. Yeah. And stayed completely away from DOS. That's a good point. They didn't just didn't clarify it very well. Regardless... Yeah. She con she was all beddy bed with the con man, so I yep. don't know. But yeah, it's so interesting. It's it's really kind of taken over my mind, and now I just relate everything to it, including our presidency. I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> yeah, we are actually all experiencing this kind of yes. cold, yeah, cold experience. Yes, and we, we need really to deprogram are. people who are. And yep. I think that again, I think that there are different levels of Trump support, but. The ones who are full flag, full fucking regalia down DC, you know, like full time are, they've been indoctrinated. And I don't say that it's not hyperbole. I'm Mm -hmm. not trying to be, you know, not exaggerating. I really feel like there are, he has amassed a cult and it's terrifying. Yep. It really is. And I feel like those people are going to step back in 10, 20 years and be like, oh, fuck. Yeah, probably not. Unfortunately, unless we get some like heavy duty deprogrammers yeah. across the country. Uh, no, I was thinking today I was on a walk and noticing that people, not as many, but they're still around here, like flags, Trump flags and whatnot flying. Right. And like what other president has ever caused people to like. Exactly. Buy flags. Exactly. And wave, like put the flags up. Merchandise. Yeah, like, it's so crazy. You know, I'm so stoked about Biden presidency. I cannot even tell you, but I'm not flying a fucking Biden flag. No, a giant ass you flag. Know? I know there's no. a there's a barn that I pass by in Michigan pretty frequently, and they still have this. I don't know, t- t- fifteen by twenty, Trump 2016 flag oh, hanging God. from their. <laughs> barn and then next to it is just sort of like a little subscript they just put a little 2020 <laughs> <It's> just like <laughs> still on board don't necessarily yeah. need to invest in another humongous flag but i know and i wish you know. i could have an honest conversation like walls down or whatever like pl- tell me why like what is it oh i really? have had the conversation yeah but the can but do they like give you things that are legitimate Anything I've ever, ever heard, it's just sort of like, yeah, that's not true. Well, and that's the thing, because it's not true. So it's like watching yeah. the, doc- the the Nexium documentary. It's hearing what you want to hear and just, you know, this, I'm going to give you the thing. 
Right. I don't know what the thing is, but I am going to give it to you. Right. And you can trust me, and I, it's going to happen. And it's so crazy. You know, Keith Ranieri had five billion lawsuits and all kinds of criminal charge and all kinds of accusations, and he'd been like raping and torturing these women for years. And they'd all everybody who was ever close to him abandoned him, and then spoke out against him. And his cult was still like, yeah. Dancing them. outside it's not of you. those prison it, windows and shit. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's that. It's just I'm going to give you the thing, and people buy in. And when you use that language, that rhetoric, and you get people so riled up, and you get them so in, like entrenched in it, it's when it becomes a different Reality. thing. Yeah. Yep. yep. So um, yeah, check it out, y'all. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry. <laughs> Woof. Big deep thoughts over here. Yeah, because usually we just talk about chilly, <laughs> chilled out stuff. I was like, chip chili. I want that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Some kind of Frito pie. Shit, yeah, man. I was going to go get salads for dinner. I always say salads Ugh. when I'm recording this, but Lauren always have plans to eat salads after the podcast, and I'm so hungry. By the time it's done, I get Who wants to eat Frito pie. After this, yeah. Chili mac is what I really want now that I'm talking oh, about man. it. You know what I had? yesterday <laughs> what i cooked uh the boys wanted chili my children so they had chili they eat like at like 3 p.m because they're children. children but after they went to bed i made tater tots and i put chili on my tots. Yes! <laughs> yes! it was so good i'm mentally holding you over my head oh my god that sounds amazing so Fuck. yep you know what else is amazing our shouter outers our our Patreon supporters. Oh, our speaking patrons. of which, really quick, we're about to hit 100,000 downloads. Yes, and what 100 patrons. And 100 patrons. So we're going to do a giveaway, but it's just a regular, we're actually just going to give away money, and you don't have to yeah. do anything. No. Here's our idea. Because it's the holidays, and it's fucking COVID, et cetera, et cetera, we know that there are a lot of people who need help. So we're going to give away four... One hundred dollars is <gasps> that's so many dollars. Yes, it's four one yeah. hundred dollars is as it turns out. So if you will put this on Instagram, but you don't have to be on Instagram. You can just email us if you know somebody in your life who could use one one hundred dollars. Let us know and kind of give yeah. us a quick idea of what of their scenario, and we'll just pick four. It's going to be really fucking hard to pick for. I don't know yes. what that. I was thinking a lot about that today. I don't know how I'm going to be able to do that, but. Well, maybe uh, we could also like, if there's, if we get just the overwhelming number of people that need help, then we can see if there's other people that want to like start. I was thinking about that too. Angel tree. Yeah. Or whatever, and, yes. You know, something like that where, so if you're interested in helping families that need it, let us know. We can kind of yeah. maybe do like. You can adopt a family or something for to the holidays. Totally. Yep. I was thinking the exact same thing. So four, we'll definitely give away four is, And we just want to hear, we don't need their names or anything like that, but just what what's their circumstance? Why would this be very helpful for them right now? And we'll pick them and then we'll figure yep. out how to Venmo or whatever, get right. the money. And it could them. also be you. It could be someone you know or you, oh, yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If yes. you really need yes. this. Let us know. A hundred percent, million percent. So, yeah. And we can only do this because of our patrons. You yeah. guys, it's been amazing. Courtney and I were talking about what we wanted to do to celebrate a hundred thousand downloads. And I was like, I think we have like $200 in our Patreon account. And then I looked and it was like more than that. A lot more than that. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yes. It adds up quickly and we want to give it back. So yeah, thank you for that support. And if you want to join us over there, do it. Once we hit a hundred, we're going to do some sort of special party thing, thing, party uh, episode. We haven't quite nailed it down yet, but it's going to be, we're just waiting. So cool. It's going to be like, kind of like that um, thing that I'm submitting to Congress. The bill about reforming the judicial system. It's going to be just like that. Uh, All right. So I want to thank amazing patron Amy K. Yay. Amy K stands for ketamine. Nope. (laughs) I was thinking special K because of the word special. And that led me. You don't. You're not ketamine. You are cupcake with K. That's right. Uh, also, big thank you to Tracy C. Tracy C. Probably means Tracy Courtney. So. Yeah, I'm sure it does. <laughs> Obviously good. Uh, big thank you to James B. Yeah, James B. for Bodacious. And last but not least, thank you so much to Mel P. Mel P. Mel I P. would just call myself Mel P. Cause That's right. <laughs> That's adorable. It is. Like, just thank like you, Mel just like you and i don't i'm not going to say which of our patreon supporter has this last name but we do have a patreon supporter with the last name mccorkle <laughs> so add it That's to the adorable. list mccorkle we love you damn it we love you and thank you and yep. whoever left us a review recently that said we mentioned jumpers a lot oh my god i don't that wasn't us <laughs> but i don't think it was so I if you're listening it. still I don't think they are because I don't think they were maybe. No, they like liked it. They said it was good. It could be great or something. But yeah, somebody left us a review and said we said jumpers so much that it was annoying. They had to look it up. And then we had to look it up, which so. I'm assuming meant we're, we're referring to sweaters in the UK. <laughs> right. But if I had I to look. I don't know. Oh, I was like, I, have I ever said the word jumper in the podcast no i would not I think so i wouldn't i actually struggled over using the word university in my story today because we don't say university here very you know we don't say right i go to university so i was like is that right. am i trying too hard to say so that's what my thought process would be if i i wouldn't say he was wearing a jumper i would say right. he was wearing a but now i'm dying to know like what podcast says jumper so much constantly it's, a, it's like enough to write a bad review about it <laughs> Is there a... Maybe it's us and we just don't remember. Oh, this is getting very complicated. Oh, my yeah. God. Anyway. Anyway. Thank you, guys. If you want to leave a review for our actual podcast or a different podcast, <laughs> you could leave a review for our podcast on a different yeah. podcast. How, whatever. whatever. It's just 20... It. There are no rules. It's no. in the world. We do we whatever do the fuck we want. We want. Uber yeah. mensch that shit. Just superiority it up. <laughs> Um, yes, please rate, review, subscribe. It's so fun when we get them, even when they're not for us. It's still fun. (laughs) It's actually more fun to read that and be like, wait, I don't think that's ours. (laughs) Sadie and I texting back. What? I don't. hmm? It's like a, it's like a mystery. It's like me being a Polish detective in the freezing cold, scouring (laughs) over the the internet for. Let's dig deep into this review and really figure out who I'm going to start listening to all of the true crime podcasts. (laughs) Yep. Get to the bottom of it. If I'll anybody you know. knows of a true crime podcast that mentions jumpers a lot, please <laughs> let us know. Please. Um, it, also, if you want to hang out with us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, we are at They Will Kill. 
And our website is also they will kill. And our email is they will kill podcast at gmail.com. Com. <laughs> Short for dot com. <laughs> no, it's all spelled uh, out. D U H C O M. Com. Com. Uh, thank you so much to AJ Bergantz for our music. Thank you so much. We love you. We love you all. Um, and remember, don't be an Ubermensch. It's for sure, man. Fucking annoying. Yeah. Be a boobermensch. Yeah. Don't be an Ubermensch. <laughs> be a boobermensch. Who doesn't love boobs? Um, some people, but they can be Ubermenches. <laughs> or they can be. Dube. I'll let you sit with that. Ubermensch. Lubermenches. There you go. Lubermenches. <laughs> well, because they're. Anyway, I'm not going to. Anyway, I'm going to explain that. <laughs> Maybe homophobic joke. I'm maybe <laughs> being a homophobic. Um, I love you guys. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. And I love boobs and people who don't love boobs. I love you all. Me too. Goodbye. Goodbye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.